Thanks for joining us today. Yes, welcome back to the podcast. Today, Jen and I are talking about some of the things that were most impactful in our conversation with one of our pastors, Daryl Davenport, over the last couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. We're going to be looking at Beserah, which is the good news in Hebrew, and a particular passage that you really might not think would be about the gospel. So mm. I'm excited to dig into that. Yes. Is that is that passage in the Old Testament? It by is. Any chance? It is in the Old Testament. All right. I'm excited to see how that works out. It's amazing how the gospel is in every book in the yeah, Bible. Even the Old Testament. Even the Old Testament. <laughs> Sit back, listen in. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Yes. Over the last two episodes, we've had the conversation with Daryl about Beserah in the mountains of Honduras, Mm. ministering to the Lenca Indians. Mm -hmm. Both of us have been there. It's a place that we love and that we really see the gospel on the ground. Yes, it is. The the beauty of the mountains and um, just the area in and of itself and the people Mm -hmm. are just so precious. They are. It's awesome. They are. In one of the conversations, we talked about living captivated Mm -hmm. by the gospel and how I see that lived out there. They truly live captivated by what Christ has done in their lives. Mm -hmm. And it's just a a beautiful picture for me to have witnessed that in being there. And it it makes me feel a little convicted that I don't do that as often as I should. Yes. You're referring to the story that Daryl talked about, the little boy. Yes. And and the mama who was listening. Yes. And she was completely (laughs) captivated by the gospel being spoken. Did not even notice that her little boy was peeing all over Daryl. <laughs> I love that story. Yes, yes, that is funny. <laughs> and that it happened to Daryl makes it even yes, funnier. That, yes, but um, just that 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 sole focus that she had mm-hmm. of hearing the gospel for the first time, and I want to live that way every day as if I'm hearing the gospel for the first time. I yes. don't want to get past that honeymoon stage, right? Yeah, because we definitely tend to do that. Mm-hmm. We have some excitement in the beginning and then uh, it seems to wane after a Mm -hmm. while. Um, But yes, if we could get to the point where we are captivated by Jesus every day, it would do, it would change a lot of things. It it certainly would. It certainly would. Hey Jen, can you read Psalm 27, four for us? I think this just really um, puts on paper what our lives would look like if we live captivated. Yes, uh, Psalm 27, 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. If we lived that way daily, I think so many of the the struggles that we deal with Mm -hmm. wouldn't be struggles anymore. Right. And just looking to Him for everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What could that look like in our lives, living captivated? I mean, we see that singular focus that that mom in Honduras had with no regard to anything else around her. What would that look like today in our lives? I think it would it would look a lot like putting different priorities in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking about the good news. Mm-hmm. I think that would become more important to us to be able to not to be able to we're all we're able to do it but to share it to actually live it out mm-hmm. and uh, take advantage of opportunities uh, we're definitely living living in a time where things are changing so quickly and 
and people are looking for truth and they they don't quite know they don't quite know where to turn Mm -hmm. and so i think we have more of an opportunity than we ever have before to share the good news with people um in a in a loving and kind and winsome way Mm -hmm. if we just would take advantage of that but um i don't know that we're looking for that yeah as much as we should Bible study that Jen and I are going through right now called Encountering God mm-hmm. with Kelly Mentor. Kelly gave an illustration last session or two that she said a bird hit her front window <laughs> and apparently it was her fault according to her Google search. She had the wrong windows. She has the right mm-hmm. the wrong windows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she cares about the birds but not twenty thousand dollars worth of care. I have to for agree with her on I, that. I think I'd agree too. But her point is that the birds see the reflection of the sky and the trees, and they think they're flying into the sky or the trees, right. but they're not. They're flying into something hard and solid that's detrimental to them. Mm-hmm. We are like that, too. We yeah. see the reflection of things, reflection of the gospel, mm. but is it true gospel? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I think our lives run into that not true gospel, mm-hmm. and by living solely captivated and focused on the um, and, and in awe of who God is keeps us from flying into those reflections, but keeps us flying into the true gospel. Yes. Or, and or, or makes us fly into the real, the true gospel. She, uh, in this Bible study, it focuses on the different disciplines, uh, spiritual disciplines, and the one we were studying was study, mm-hmm. uh, studying God's Word. And we have to be in God's Word in order to know what is true? What yeah. is truth? Because there are yeah. so many things out there yeah. um, in order to recognize what is right and what is of God. We have to be in his word. Yeah. And a study we did earlier this semester was uh, He is Where the Joy Is with Tara Lee Cobble. Mm-hmm. And she mentioned in there that U.S. officials, I forget what department it is, mm-hmm. that uh, currency Mm-hmm. When they're studying the currency, mm-hmm. they can't possibly study all of the counterfeits. They can't right. know all the counterfeits. So what they do is they spend all of their time focused on the truth mm-hmm. currency. Yep. And they know the true currency so that when they come up against something that isn't the true currency, they mm-hmm. know that it's not the true because mm-hmm. they know what the true is and all the ins and outs of it. And the more that we spend in the Word and in study of the Word we're able to come against those false reflections, Mm -hmm. those false truths, because we can't possibly know all of them, but we can know the truth and we can compare those false things to the truth. Yes, even Paul in in his letters, the epistles, he was constantly um, warning the Mm -hmm. churches against false teaching, Mm -hmm. uh, against um, false religion, against false worship, so many different things that he was constantly encouraging them to be aware of um, because they were bombarded with. And that was, that would, you know, sometimes he had just been there, but this is something he was having to immediately come back to. And we just, we definitely see that as an issue throughout. It's so important to be clear on what is true Mm -hmm. Um, and the only way to do that is to be in the word and to know know what the truth is so we can share the gospel Mm -hmm. the good news with others effectively yeah and living captivated Mm -hmm. by christ Mm -hmm. allows us to do that that's right when we aren't distracted by every other little shiny thing that comes along 
Yes. I mean, Psalm 27, four, the verse we read, it, it starts out with one thing I have desired. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the one focus that yeah. he's talking about here. Yeah. The psalmist is saying, this is what I've desired, the one thing. Yeah. And uh, Paul, mm -hmm. in First and Second Timothy, is talking to Timothy about that. Mm -hmm. uh, chapter 4 in Second Timothy, chapter 3, rather, in Second Timothy, um, says in verse 14, You, however, must continue in the things you have learned and are confident about. You know who taught you and how from infancy you have known the holy writings, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Mm. He's, he's telling them, know the true thing. Yeah. Know the one thing. Focus on the one thing that you were taught and not all the other things that the world is throwing at you. And I find it interesting that he was taught these things mm -hmm. by his mother and grandmother, yeah. uh, primarily. Um, so that was something that they had passed down to him mm -hmm. that he had taken a hold of. And then Paul came along and he was like a son to Paul. Mm -hmm. And and Paul um, was able to continue to encourage him in growing up in the Lord and the truth, mm -hmm. but he had that foundation that was put it, put there by his mother and grandmother. Right. Which shows the generational aspect of the gospel that we talked about with yes. Daryl, that right. it can be familial or it can be extended acquaintances, mm -hmm. um, spiritual mothers, fathers, people that pour into our lives. Mentors, really. Mentors. Mm -hmm. So discipleship. Exactly. Discipleship plays into this with Basarah, with the gospel, because it shows how we live in community. Yes. And when we're living in community, we have the relationships with our children and those in our circles of influence to be able to pass the gospel on to. Right, right. And his, his mom and grandmother lived out the Deuteronomy passage mm -hmm. where they were to, whether they were sitting or rising or walking yep. or you know on the doorpost and yep. it was constant that they yep. had it before timothy that's what and he he caught right. more than he was taught probably yeah. yeah i love a quote talking about um the gospel being passed on by robbie gallaty in his book growing up the gospel was on its way to someone else when it came to you i love that quote yeah, yeah. and because it's so true i mean as it as it got to me, I mean, it's just it it hits all along the way, mm -hmm. and and so many people are affected by it yeah. as we go. Yeah, we don't we don't get the gospel. We aren't given the gift of the gospel to hoard it, right, and to hide it away. But we're given it to pass on. Mm -hmm. That's right. With our kids, with our grandkids, with those in our circles of influence, with our coworkers, our neighbors, with whomever God places in our path, we're to pass that on. Right. And as Daryl mentioned, he was talking about the churches that have developed mm -hmm. over in Honduras and how they started with a piece of property owned by a family, mm -hmm. uh, a mother, and, and eventually the church was built there. And now her son mm -hmm. is the pastor yeah. and just that generational impact that mm -hmm. continues. And, you know, there's going to be many that come through that church that the gospel goes to them, and then it keeps on going to somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Another aspect that we talked about with Daryl was the persecution mm. and the incorrect theology right. that the Catholic Church there in Honduras has right. um, of how they have to pay. Mm -hmm. They pay the church. They pay the, the, the priests. 
Um, and if they don't, they're told they're not going to heaven. Right. Um, that brings to mind Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Can you read that for us? Yes. Um, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's very clear. That's the, that is part of the gospel mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that it is a gift of God, that nothing you or I or anyone can do can earn that gift. Um, God gives it to mm-hmm. us, and, and we, we accept the gift, yeah. but um, we must accept the gift in order to have salvation. But um, it is by grace we are mm-hmm. saved through faith, not of anything we can do, yeah. pay somebody off or, or yeah, whatever. Absolutely. Um, and the, that uh, just the persecution that they have there um, is real, mm-hmm. and it's generational as well. Mm-hmm. So that's what's a lot of what they're overcoming. Yeah. Um, when they go, when Daryl and the team goes uh, to preach the gospel there. Yeah. yeah. So as we've talked through these different aspects um, that we discussed with Daryl, something that kept coming back to mind with me is the story of Habakkuk. Hmm. So let me read um, chapter 2, verse 1 real quick. And this is in the Old Testament. This is in the Old Testament. And he was a minor prophet. He was a minor prophet. And like we talked about before with Hosea, Mm -hmm. it's not because he was more important or less important. Right. It was just because the length of the book. Habakkuk's book is three chapters long. Like 56 verses, I think. Okay. Very short, short book. But it's pretty impactful with the gospel. Awesome. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, I will stand at my watch post. I will remain stationed on the city wall. I will keep watching so I can see what he says to me and can know how I should answer when he counters my argument. So what's happening here leading up to this, Israel had divided, like we talked about with Hosea a few Mm -hmm. weeks ago, into two nations, Israel and Judah. Israel was conquered by the Assyrians, and sometime in between that conquering and when Habakkuk um, wrote this book, God told him, the nation of Judah is still not turning back to me. And because of that, I'm going to empower the Babylonians, mm. which is another powerful nation that came in and they're going to come in and they're going to wipe you out. They're mm. going to, they're going to carry you off into exile. And so Habakkuk is complaining to the Lord of all the sin that's happening in the nation. He's saying, look at all these false things that are happening, all the idolatry that they're worshiping, everything that I see in our world today. Hmm. It, it's like in chapter one, reading out the violence and the depravity and the greed and all of the things mm-hmm. that Habakkuk is complaining about are things that you could turn on the news and see today. Isn't um, that interesting? It is. That it was, this was so many it years was. ago, thousands it, of years ago. It was. And so in, in this, God is, is telling him, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to provide. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care but I'm going to do it by sending this nation. I'm going to empower them. Evil, evil, evil nation. Very Babylon. cruel. Babylon, very cruel. But I'm going to let them come in, and I'm going to let them carry you off into exile. Mm. And I'm going to deliver you that way. Okay. So Habakkuk had a change of heart. He changed position in chapter 2, verse 1. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm going to go sit in my watchtower, and I'm going to wait and keep watch I'm going to wait and I'm going to keep watch for the Beserah, for the Mm. good news. Good news. I'm going to keep looking. And you don't really understand the significance of that until you understand culturally what a watchtower is and what a runner with the Beserah did. Mm. So in that time period, 
watchtowers were stationed and built around the edges of the cities so that they could see in they could see the whole valley they could see the hills around them they could see the roads coming in and out and they could see if there was someone attacking they could see if someone was coming with a message they just kept watch always to watch for for the news whatever okay. news good news bad news and if a if a nation was at war they would send a, a runner with the base Sarah, the good news, hmm. if that they won, they would send it back to the city so that the king or the city would know that, hey, we're, we've won, we've won the battle. And Habakkuk was saying, I'm going to sit in the watchtower and I'm going to watch for the good news. I'm going to watch for the base Sarah that God is going to provide. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch for the, the salvation and the deliverance that he is going to bring for his people. And he's doing that so that he can tell the people the good mm-hmm. news. Mm-hmm. He can tell the people around him the good news of the Lord, which is such a beautiful picture that he he changed his posture. He changed his position to wait on the Lord. Mm-hmm. He first recognized what was going on with the sin, mm-hmm. but then he changed his posture and position to wait. And while he did that, I would be tempted, if it were me, mm-hmm. to complain oh, with sure. everything that was going on, all of the, the depravity that was occurring. But Habakkuk, in that change of posture, began praising the Lord. Mm. So he praised him while he waited in the midst of the depravity and the sin and the greed and all of the evil that was happening around him. It is amazing what uh, Thanksgiving will do mm-hmm. for you if you are going through a difficult time. And that's a, you know, a way of changing your posture mm-hmm. if you're if you're tempted to complain, yeah. to just start thinking about all the things yeah. you have to be thankful for yeah. and naming those off yeah. and, and praising even, the Lord for them. And not even just if you're you're tempted to complain, but if you're discouraged, yes. if you're burdened, changing that posture of, of looking and waiting expectantly mm-hmm. for the good things. Right. Because God has promised that he's going to provide those. Yes. Might not come in the way we expect or we really Probably want. Probably won't. Probably won't like come. with with the the with Judah, they were going to be delivered, mm. but they were delivered through the pain of another nation conquering yep. them. And it was going to be a minute, and it was going to be a minute. It was quite a quite a few mm-hmm. minutes before mm-hmm. they before they were actually able to come back. So as we're recognizing what's going on in life around us, and we're waiting for the deliverance for the Basarah, the good news. And praising God in the midst of the storm, mm-hmm. this picture came to mind with me that God the Father is the watchtower that mm-hmm. we wait on. Yes. Proverbs 18.10 tells us the Lord is a strong tower. God the Spirit is the runner bringing the good news to us, bringing the Basarah to all who were here. First mm. John 5.6 tells us the Spirit testifies the truth about Jesus. And then God the Son is the Basarah. To redeem and to restore yes, his people. Yes. Uh, John one twenty nine tells us the Lamb. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So this is what you've just shown to us is a beautiful picture of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the gospel as we see it in the New Testament right. because that we're talking about Jesus right. and Him coming, uh, but it's a picture of mm-hmm. that. It's a foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Yeah. 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 So God the Trinity is our defender. Mm-hmm. He's the messenger. And he's the good news of redemption and restoration. It all originates in him. He just asks that we recognize the sin in our life. Hmm. We wait for his deliverance and we praise him in the midst of it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I just love looking at, at the cultural 
Hebraic understandings of some of these terms. Yeah, yeah. And it's good to picture what was going on there. Mm-hmm. I can I can just see Habakkuk, Habakkuk yeah. um, you know, standing up there in that tower, mm-hmm. waiting, hoping. Yeah. He felt longing, longing. I, I, I definitely can sense that that longing. Mm-hmm. He felt his responsibility was to be the watch guard, mm-hmm. to stand there looking for the word of the Lord so that he could share it with everyone else. Yep. That sounds like something we need to be doing. It sounds like our responsibility still today. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. To take the good news. To take the good news, take the basara and share it in our circles of influence. We better get busy. (laughs) Y'all have a great day. Bye-bye.